And welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast where we dig into the paranormal and try to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And I'm Eli. And this week, we are digging into voodoo. Voodoo. Voodoo? You do. Do what? Remind me of the baby. Do what? You know how many times I said that this week? I know. Y'all work together. Yeah, I guess we do. (laughs) (laughs) Chad gets to hear me say stuff like that all the time. But this week, I didn't do a lick of research. Because I am busy editing our big duet show. Dave. Uh, Yes. You did your normal excellent research, right? Yeah, I think so. What do you got for us? Voodoo is still a rather misunderstood religion, partly due to its inaccurate portrayal by the media. Instead of associating this religion with zombies and voodoo dolls, we want to take the time to better understand voodoo and view it as a way of life or a set of guiding principles. To practitioners located in African nations, the Caribbean, North and South America, Haiti, and in many cities of the United States, such as New Orleans, Miami, Charleston, and New York City, voodoo is a life-affirming practice that encourages its participants to better understand the natural process of life and their own spiritual natures. Each of these communities have created new rituals and practices worldwide. Voodoo has over 50 million followers. These are some of the common beliefs that are found in voodoo. There's the belief in one God, worship of holy places, people, and objects, belief in life after death, Constant presence of the invisible world of the deceased ancestor spirits. Lack of boundaries between life and religion. Worship requires strict discipline and respect. The spirits of the dead are a mediator between God and man. Once a violation has been forgiven, it must not be mentioned ever again. A person is fully involved in worship, including his body and soul. The whole community is involved in training the young. Serious attitude to moral education of the young generations. Respect of human dignity. Respect of the elders. Blood unions are rarely violated. Special attention to marriage as a union between individuals and families. Respect for authority. Caring for the poor, sick, the widowed, and the orphaned. It sounds pretty down to earth, actually. Sounds like something we need more of. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds a lot like most religions, though. I mean, most religions are going to be based in something similar to that. Well, you can see just through that, just the different religions that have been brought into voodoo. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like Christian-ish beliefs and moralities as well. I mean, it sounds like a bunch of different religions. because Basically, all religions are the same. They just argue over... The name of their god. I mean, if you want to get down to the bare bones, I mean, that's that's the difference between religions. <laughs> now, there's a lot of occultic belief that all religions came from one single religion. I believe that. I yeah. believe it all started out as one, and then well, Joe I mean, disagreed with Fred, and then they got into a fight, a and so they... The main differences are like the disciples they worship. Especially with the Judeo-Christian religions. I mean, Judaism, Christianity... Muslim, they're all they're all based off the same original book. They just veer off in different places within that book. 
and then write their own book. You know, it's like a choose your own story. Yeah, choose your own adventure. <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what the Old Testament was. Didn't you know that, guys? <laughs> if you choose this, could have paid seven. <laughs> All along, we find out that that's what the Bible actually was, was it was like your first Choose Your Own Adventure book, <laughs> and people have died over this book now. It'd be like if, what? I'm not Shyamalan <laughs> Twist. <laughs> It'd be like if, uh, what's his face from Dungeons and Dragons? Gary Gygax? Yeah, Gary Gygax. So it'd be like if Gary Gygax, one day the the... The player's manual becomes law of the land. And really, it was just some nerd in his basement with his friends making up some... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just somebody's fan fiction that they, they left in a cave, and then we found it later. It was like, oh, look, the Dead Sea Squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> really, it was just some guy stranded on an island writing himself a story to keep himself entertained. <laughs> now, that's how... Um, the book of Revelation got wrote. It got wrote by some crazy guy that got exiled to an island. Did y'all ever hear about that story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's one for another time. <laughs> <laughs> We're still also looking for a book of Enoch pop-up version. So if yeah. anybody has seen the pop-up version of the book of Enoch, Chad is in need. We need mm-hmm. Patreon content. All right. <laughs> Continue on with voodoo. All right. The religion of voodoo evolved from the ancient traditions of ancestor worship and animism. It is presumed that Vodun started in the territory of Benin around 6,000 to 10,000 years ago. The forms of voodoo practiced today are the result of one of the most inhuman episodes in human history, the African slave trade that took place between the 16th and 19th centuries, centered around modern-day Benin in a region called Dahomey. Around 1510, the slave trade began. Slaves were taken from the west coast of Africa, from what is now Senegal and Gambia, to the Congo region. Now, although African slaves came from many different regions, Dahomey, which is now Benin and part of Togo, was the central hub of the slave trade during the 18th and 19th century. The Dahomey sold their prisoners of war to the slave ships, often in exchange for European goods. Many from Dahomey were also kidnapped. These conquered tribes all shared common core beliefs, worship of the spirits of family ancestors, the use of singing, drumming, and dancing in religious rituals, and the belief the followers were possessed by immortal spirits. All right, within one generation of the slaves' arrival to Haiti, Their priests had already established temples and developed a following in spite of their captivity and severe opposition of the French and Spanish churches. The term voodoo came from the fawns of Dahomey. The other great influence came from Yorobalin, which is now Nigeria, the site of the sacred city of Iolife. Among the Yorubas, the Loa, or spirits, are known as Orisha. Other people that contributed to modern voodoo in the world are the Aradia, Nago, Ibo, Congro, Senegalese, Mandingo, Ethiopians, Sudanese, and Malgakes. Once living in Haiti, the slaves created a new religion based on their shared belief 
at the same time absorbing each tribe's strongest traditions and gods. The word voodoo derives from the word vodou in the Fon language of Dahomey, which means spirit god. While the foundations of voodoo are the tribal religions of Vodun and of West Africa, voodoo itself originated in the West Indies country of Haiti during the French colonial period, and it is still widely practiced in Haiti today. Haiti was isolated during much of its history, therefore allowing voodoo to develop with its own unique traditions, beliefs, and gods. Influences from the native Indian population in Haiti were also integrated during this formative period. I find it really interesting how it just how voodoo evolves just with whatever is around it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what so I was. That way they don't single out any religion or like some person because they believe in this religion. It just adapts and evolves to include. Like I, I understand. Like that's one thing I was I was thinking about how you said they basically took like the most powerful points of all these other types yeah. and formed them into one like one whole thing. That's everybody that everybody that practices it can agree on. Personally, yeah. I feel like that's what religion should be anyway. Religion should evolve as you learn things, as you're introduced to new things. Religion needs to kind of evolve in order to grow and ascend. Yeah, and to keep up with the society. And yeah. Now, during the French colonial period, beginning in 1625... The economy of Haiti, then known as St. Domingue, was based on slavery. The slave owners did not recognize the mystical qualities of their native ceremonies. Rather, they considered them to be savages, incapable of spirituality or even abstract concepts for that matter. The denial of their humanity made it much easier to keep them as slaves. Yet in the conditions of their enslavement, the Africans' only hope was in their very faith. Among broken tribes and families, they found unity and solace in God and ancient rituals. For many enslaved Africans, such spiritual traditions and practice provided a vital means of mental and emotional resistance to their bitter hardship. While their belief in rituals may have only served as a freedom in their mind, Africans, nonetheless, seem to be instilling fear in their captors. The white and mixed-race plantation owners forbid their slaves to, to practice their native religions. As such, the slaves found themselves unable to continue the practice of their ancestral rites, sometimes under the penalty of death. To add in there just a little bit, um, when... When people think about voodoo, they also think about the items used in voodoo. Um, and a lot of the thoughts that come to mind are voodoo dolls. In that particular situation uh, where they were afraid of their own captives, uh, one of the things that they were uh, most afraid of is the what we would call the voodoo doll. And it wasn't actually made of... Um, it wasn't actually a doll to begin with. It was uh, wood being carved into an animation of a human. And it was more so used for spiritual healing. And um, the 
takeaway of negative energy. And you see somebody in a corner who, at this point, just put it through your eyes that you see somebody in the corner and they're huddled down talking to a piece of wood and they're talking in a foreign tongue, you'd be scared to shit too. So at that point, they they take those away and uh, basically threaten under death if they find them or whatever. They, they take them completely away. And then um, the slaves back then were like, okay, we're going to get smart. And that turned into an actual doll of some sorts. So it was easy for them to hide. So that's how the voodoo doll came into existence is from early slavery until now. So I thought that was interesting too. I, I just wanted to put that tad bit in there. That is that, actually that is very cool. Pretty cool. Like, and there, there were even tad bits of, uh, uh, them getting a hold of livestock as well. And it doesn't correlate around it or anything like that, but there is like life sac- life sacrifices like chickens and stuff like that. And, one of the things uh, that I read um, is early early slaves that came over that were practicing voodoo, uh, plantation owners would find dead livestock, and they don't know how they died. All they would see it is a wound while well, they were sacrificing it, and lo and behold, they found out, and the same situation happened. So it was one of those things where it just kind of pushed them in, not understanding what was going on, pushed them into a darker corner. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Wow. so yeah, along with that... Um, I found a 1685 law that prohibited the practice of African religions and also required all masters to Christianize their slaves within eight days of their arrival in Haiti. Some owners prohibited them to practice their own religion, making them practice Catholicism instead. Slavery was condoned by the Catholic Church at the time as a tool for converting Africans to Christians. Although some slaves accepted Roman Catholicism, most did not give up their traditional beliefs. Slaves forced to adopt Catholic rituals thus gave them double meanings. And in the process, many of their spirits became associated with Christian saints. For instance, in Haitian voodoo, St. Peter is recognized as Papa Legba, the gatekeeper of the spirit world, whilst St. Patrick is associated with Dumbala, the snake Awa. And then the French Revolution in 1789 presented an opportunity for Haiti's middle class to organize a revolt. Slaves in Haiti ultimately used their African faith to fuel their own rebellion. Between 1791 and 1804, a series of slave revolts, which were inspired by spirit worship, finally culminated in the expulsion of the French from the island and the end of slavery in Haiti. But many of the French who were able to escape fled to Louisiana, some accompanied by their French-speaking, voodoo-practicing slaves. I will say, though, it's really interesting how they basically have a rave and they just... I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Like, they have basically this huge party to cover up the fact that it's actually a ritual. (laughs) Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. They're just like, get some kegs and let's go to this house. And that's just, what a birthday is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Every yeah. you yeah. have True. a birthday party, but what you're having is a ritual of birth, of like growing another year old. But you throw a party around it, so it doesn't seem so creepy. Bro, that's deep. Wow. What do you? What happens when you quit throwing the parties? Do you not get older? 
Damn. Get older, but uh-huh. or just look at the Germanic rituals of Easter. That's uh, yeah, that yeah. survived all the years by the association with the rabbit and the eggs and the yeah. And then I it got st- picked up by Christianity, and I still don't know. understand the rabbit and the eggs things. It's a, it's a. They're they're signs of fertility. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. It didn't really it, have anything it, with. Jesus has absolutely back. nothing to do with Jesus. I'm like, Jesus was a rabbi. <laughs> yeah, that's what they don't tell you in church is that when Jesus came back, he was, he was actually a rabbit. <laughs> but he's a white rabbit, right? No. Damn it. In fact, he is. He was a jackrabbit. Fuck. Jack, he was jackalope. Yep, he was a jackalope. <laughs> he had horns. He had horns. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jesus horn Christ. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do a spring. Uh, Equinox episode like we did a winter solstice episode. I could totally do that. Yeah. Bring in O Esther and Easter and Oh, there's a bunch of them that that come around that time. Passover. Yeah. So if we can, let's rewind about a hundred years and talk about New Orleans. And then I'll... So around 1720. Thousands of Africans were sold directly to New Orleans, which was founded in 1718. A slave camp was established in nearby swamps to break slaves. During this time, it was also illegal for slaves to assemble for any reason. Not only would they be punished if caught gathering, but the owners could be punished as well. In 1782, the governor of Louisiana prohibited the importation of slaves from the West Indies considering them too steeped in voodooism. We don't want them their slaves that, you know, they speak that voobity doobity. I don't know if those are the exact words. I think he was more like, hey, we don't want them slaves down there with the, with the hibbity-bibbity-boo-boo. Oh, my God, that's like an exact quote. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'm from Louisiana, I can say that. Sorry, I ain't got that accent. <laughs> so after the purchase of Louisiana from France in 1803, some of these restrictions were lifted. Slaves were allowed to gather on plantations for dances, weddings, and religious celebrations on Sundays. Also in 1803, the prohibition against importations of slaves from the West Indies was lifted. The French that were able to escape Haiti during the Revolution also found their way to Louisiana. By 1809, many Haitians who had migrated to Cuba during the Haitian Revolution found themselves cast out from there and they came to New Orleans. Now, voodoo in New Orleans had always been brutally suppressed, but now was the beginning of organized voodoo in Louisiana. The conversion of many slaves to voodoo began. The first meeting of voodoo practitioners was at an abandoned brickyard in Dumaine Street. After being drove out by police, they started together along Bayou St. John, the shore of Lake Pontchartrain. And what's weird is I didn't go because like I was going from the point of it was introduced to the American public, not before that, but I did read a little bit about that. So all this is like new knowledge to me. Yeah. So it's actually really interesting, but it's like where you're getting to the cusp of like where it was actually like, okay, we can't fucking stop this. It's going to happen regardless of what we say. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the people have to have their faith. Oh, yeah. Because oh, we'll get to this in a second, but Marie Laveau, she was doing it for both black and white people. Like, she was being paid heavy amounts of money for voodoo spells and love charms and everything. Yeah. So it was like she was openly practicing this shit, and she wasn't ever demonstrated against whatsoever. So from 
from where that starts, I'm like, holy shit, it's only about 20 years between that and this. Mm-hmm. So in 20 years, it like fucking developed majorly, where it was like, okay, well, they're just going to do their thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's really, really interesting. What else can you tell us about Marie Laveau? Uh, Marie Laveau was one of the many slaves that were actually transported from um, West Africa. And she did actually go through Haiti. And it's unclear when or how or how long she was in Haiti, but she was shortly transferred to New Orleans. And when she got to New Orleans, um, I don't know how, because it doesn't really go into uh, detail how it happened, but she somehow gained a partial bit of freedom um, where she was no longer like under shackle. So she was able to live basically her own life. And she was what we would call a voodoo priestess. Um, It wasn't one of those things where she just named herself that. She practiced it. She believed it. But what was also interesting about it was that she went to Mass every single day. She was a devout Catholic. And it's kind of, when I read it, I was like, huh? And then I, I did a little more research on it, watched a few videos where it kind of like explained the differences and likenesses of the religion where she was able to go there and it, like in my head i was like okay immediately it's a cover-up because she like wants to remain this like person that is different to all these other white people but remain the fact that she's a devout one like them you know what i mean but at the same time all these people were getting the same thing from her as both races were she counseled both black and white people um helping them with both voodoo spells, love charms, um, counsel in general, whether it be spiritual or not. Uh, she also had a day job as a hairdresser, um, which was really interesting. On top of all that, she would construct what we would now call voodoo dolls out of gunpowder and dog dung. So dog shit. Yeah. Smelly. Smelly is exactly right. Don't um, take it near a fire. All right, <laughs> 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 that's what you light on fire in the plastic, or the paper bag, and sit on your neighbor's porch and ring the doorbell. <laughs> uh, that's actually murder. Oh, yeah, black powder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They so used to be yes? so innocent. They used to be so innocent. <laughs> um, but Mar- Marie Laveau was uh, completely. She is the one that really real like really introduced it to like the light of it to uh the New Orleans area which kind of like just branched branched out into the Americas. So is she like the Madame Blavatsky? She is the Madame Blavatsky of Voodoo. Of Voodoo. All right. Okay. Um and she was so well known that not only was she known in Louisiana but she was known throughout all of the surrounding states as well. Not surrounding states, but surrounding... Um, territories. Territories, thank you. I was thinking of the T word. Couldn't really think of it. Terracidon. Terracidon is correct. I'm going to destroy two of your lands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he got it. Uh, but anyways, um, she actually... Uh, and this is a really interesting story. Uh, one of the only ones that I actually found that, I mean, didn't really have... It was just interesting in general. In 1951... She uh, regularly visited uh, these two gentlemen that were in jail uh, for murder. Uh, And it said that she visited him 
visited them for like seven to eight days. Wasn't really clear on it. It was either seven to eight days. And they were due to be hung in uh, June of 1981, or not 1981, 1881. 18, that was a long eight days. 1851, <laughs> apologies. 18 that was a long eight days. <laughs> yeah, they were due to be hung in 1851. Those eight days lasted 130 years. <laughs> I'm doing this all off the top of my head, so you guys got to bear with me. Um, but in June of 1851, they were to be hung, okay? Okay, so the, they were going to be... So they're going to be hung for murder. Yes. And she provided them with like uh, as a, like a spiritual counsel. Spiritual counsel. The fun, the weird thing about this, though, is on the day that it was going to happen, it said that the sky drew black, like there was a thunderstorm. And uh, when the gentlemen supposedly were going to fall to their death, the nooses on both of the necks slipped off as if it was magic. Now, the interesting thing about this fact, though, is that after that day... New Orleans, um, our Louisiana legislator, uh, deemed that public executions were no longer going to happen again in New Orleans, or in, in Louisiana, period. So they went out with public executions altogether. So that was huge, yeah, in a way. Like, that was huge. But that was the only thing that I could actually find as far as, like, mysterious things that happened. Now, there is a um, a tomb that she's currently laid in, in New Orleans, in the City of the Dead. Now, it's not this, like, three-mile-long freaking city that just has nobody walking through it. It's actually just a cemetery. And, and they have dead walking around. Yeah. It's actually one of the most haunted uh, cemeteries in Louisiana. But in in Louisiana, they also do um, the Day of the Dead, don't they? They do do the Day of the Dead. So it would make sense for the spirits to kind of hang around there to see their loved ones. Ex- exactly. So it, it would make complete sense for it to be haunted. Yeah. Well, and also in New Orleans, nobody is buried below ground. Everybody is buried above ground. Now, does anybody know why? Because they're below sea level, and those caskets will float back up to the surface. Exactly. Oh. You wicked smart. <laughs> wicked smart. Now... If anybody remembers Hurricane Katrina? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There were caskets floating down the fucking street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there I, were also dead bodies. I mean, there were I mean, but the it was just a whole it's it it's kind of weird cuz like you have to like in your mind you have to decide I mean, I guess the the newly dead body is more creepy than the dead body that's been there for 50 freaking years, but at the same time you're just like there's grandpa you know, it's fucking weird. I'm sorry. But well, on his way to the brothel again. Again. Grandpa, that's how you died. Well, I mean, <laughs> I love New Orleans. New Orleans is one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. But these cemeteries in New Orleans are freaking awesome because they are all, um, start with the name. Mausoleums. Yeah, okay. So they're all mausoleums. Yep. So they look like little cities. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense why it's called the City of the Dead because you walk down the aisles and it lo- they're just like little houses on either side of the road. And, yeah. and there's street names. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but what's interesting about it is, um, sorry, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Uh, when Marie Laveau was uh, in her death years, okay, she died in, she died in 1881 uh, when she was getting sick and she could no longer practice voodoo, like actively go out and get money for it uh her daughter actually took up her name and her likeness and continued the family business 
Um, and that continued. First case of identity theft. Probably the first. Well, she no. Mary actually. I know, I know, yeah, I know. Mary wanted her to do that. When she passed away in uh, 1881, uh, she was put in a mausoleum. A mausoleum. Thank you. She put in a mausoleum, and actually, as of today, that mausoleum still is there, um, and it's almost like the epicenter of all things voodoo. Meaning that she is still. Uh, an iconic figure in uh, traditional voodoo, uh, so much so that sh- uh, if you ever visit her mausoleum, there are cro- not crosses, X's on her uh, on her mausoleum. Um, and no, it's not graffiti; it's actual uh, rituals that individuals do. And the X's actually pertain to, uh, and I forgot exactly how it goes, but basically to tic tac toe. No, it's not tic-tac-toe. Oh. Um, basically, it is uh, you put an X uh, on the mausoleum, you say a prayer, and then you thank her. And it's all done in like traditional uh, uh, ritual spoken word. It's not like English. Usually, it's done in French. And it's... Well, that makes sense if it was from Haiti, where yeah. they, they were controlled by the french i mean that makes sense yeah um but yeah that's that's how that works and like even traditional uh voodoo uh is a, a lot like the voodoo in days past like you you still have um the living sacrifices you still have the rituals you still have um uh large meetings of people um and these people are like every, everyday people. Like, I mean, they go to they go to mass just like you guys go to mass. They just call it something different. Then again, um, there is the darker side of voodoo, uh, just like there's the darker side of everything else. Um, and it's not like what you see in all these horror films of like people putting curses on people or whatnot. Um, it's it's almost to the fact of that you have different branches um, and not even so much branches, you just have different levels of it. So whereas most people believe that voodoo is like Dave said, more for like spiritual oneness and, you know, becoming together as a people and whatnot. Some people use it as more of an advantage or attempt to use it more as an advantage. Um, And you still have the people more so in the French Quarter uh, of New Orleans that use it for financial gain. Um, like we talked in uh, a couple of our podcasts in the in the back, especially the one about Tara. Um, you have people who you know aren't fully you know true to the nature of 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 the cause, but they use it for financial gain, and that's kind of the same thing. Um, and if you go to any voodoo shop in New Orleans. You will find what you would what what you would like if you were to picture a voodoo doll. You would find one of those in every voodoo shop in in New Orleans. Period. Uh, a lot of them have traditional stuff there as well. They have everything from uh, uh, fertile uh, what is it uh, fertile vases, which basically uh, have herbs and all these other things that like just s- the smell of them. Is supposedly uh, able to cause 
a more fertile person, so helping with um, uh, pregnancy and whatnot. And then you have the same situation for every kind of illness, whether it be headaches, uh, diarrhea, whatever. I mean, it, it goes really, really deep. And a lot of these people that are uh, voodoo priestess or priests, um, they are some of the most wholesome people you can talk to. I've only ever had one run-in with uh, a person. I say run-in, but one conversation. It was whenever I visited New Orleans, and we were going through all these like terror reading shops, and like we went to drink a lot of alcohol, and it was all fun. But we walked into this one voodoo shop, and this the lady that was running it. Uh, most of the stuff that was on there were, were like, I mean, it was like one or two dollars. But every shop has to stay open for some reason, you know. And you know, that's one thing I, I can always say is that like talking to somebody who believes wholesome, like holy in a religion is different than getting your research from movies that darken, like show you the darker versions. The whole point of it is to scare the shit out of you. And she was just a very, very wholesome person. She was, she was there for informative reasons. It's it's the same reason why, you know, if, if you're ever afraid of something and I think this, this podcast brings it to, to light to most, most of, most of people is that whenever you're afraid of something, if you do the proper research on it and you look deeper into what you're what you're trying what you're afraid of, you might find out that it's not as scary as you think it is. Unless it's aliens. Unless it's, it's aliens scarier. and greys. <laughs> Those scare the shit out of me. Well, I remember when I was in New Orleans. Now when I was in New Orleans I was a teenager. And we weren't allowed to kind of go off we were had to stay in like the touristy spots. So, you know, we hung out along uh Jackson Square and Bourbon Street and, you know, the touristy areas. And there were there was every street had one or two voodoo shops. Yeah. And we went into them and I was fascinated by them. And, yeah, I talked to the people that were there and all that stuff. But I've heard that if you go off the beaten path a little bit, you start finding real voodoo shops and not just the touristy voodoo shops to where you're going to actually find somebody who, somebody who actually, well, they all practice, but somebody who is, not just trying to make a buck. Yeah. Somebody that is a, a, a voodoo priestess or whatnot. And How were you able to go into the French Quarter at all? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a street that like literally is about <laughs> two streets past that. Yeah. Uh, it actually, I mean, it's hard to explain <laughs> it, but uh, there's a street that like, there's two streets past that called Savaz, mm-hmm. and literally the the shop that I went to was on Savaz, and I mean you will run right into it if you walked by it. Um, but that shop, and then there's another shop that was actually, uh, it's kind of weird because we walked into it and it was like palm reading and this and that and the other thing, but you walk into it and there's nothing on the walls. It's literally just like cases of like artifacts from Africa. That's cool. And none of them are for purchase. It's educational only. And the lady that runs runs that one was the same lady that kind of, I mean, she said that she owned the next door shop, which is the one that we walked into. So I was like, okay, that's how you make your money. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, she's the one who gave us uh, most of the information that we were uh, asking about. A lot of my friends were just more like trying to make jokes about it, but I was actually really interested in it. But um, it was kind of funny. So I was like, are, are you a witch? Is this witchcraft or are you like voodoo? And she's like, it's a voodoo shop. We just have to put palm reading on the front door so we can actually educate people that like walk in here because they're they're looking for one thing but they find a different thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like counter advertisement. 
Yeah, see the ones I remember going one of the ones I remember going in, it sold a bunch of like homemade soaps and things like that and lotions. And then as you walk deeper into the store, it started getting a little bit more occult. And then, you know, there was the beaded curtain in the back and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, where Dave lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's where I hang out yeah. in the back. Like, hey man. Beaded curtains are awesome. You can hide your weed in here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, people look at voodoo as dark and evil. And I remember watching a episode of Ghost Bros or Ghost, Ghost Adventures, and they were at some plantation thing, and they were in the slave quarters of this plantation home, and they were talking about the them practicing voodoo and stuff like that, and. Um, they were getting really scared, and they were, you know, I, it was it was stupid how freaked out that they were getting over people who once practiced voodoo in this place. And well, I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's even dumber though, because I mean, the the problem with it is, is that you got to look, and you can't put yourself in these people's shoes because we've never been like us personally have never been in slavery. We've read books, we've done research, and we can. We can be like, oh, wow, that really sucks. But we've never been in chains, you know. And it's one of those situations where it's like you can't help but to think that there's one restless soul that did a ritual was like, kill my fucking master so I can leave this place. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't technically invite good good energy into anywhere. Whether you're practicing it faithfully or practicing it just once to just try to fucking get rid of that. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really interesting how, how anything like oppression can lead to darker... But then again, I mean, even... Every religion has its light and its dark side. Oh, yeah. You know, you see it in Christianity when you look at... Crusades. Well, the Crusades. I was going to go with, like, Westboro Baptist Church. I mean... Okay, recent, yeah. You know, even more recently. I mean, you've got... You've got your good and you've got your bad. And you've got your good and you've got your bad and... You know, Islam, you've got your good and you've got your bad in every religion that there is. And you have the extremes on either side. But for the most part, the general practitioners are normal. Not dark, not light. They just, they walk that gray line, I guess, of the religion. So to take take one religion and say everybody's bad that practices this religion... Makes you a hypocrite, yeah. in my opinion. That could be like, said about every religion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but in today's society, it's portrayed in TV shows and movies as dark and evil. And Chad, I know you've pulled up some movies. And I just such. did a look into the pop culture of voodoo. Yeah. Um, I mean, the pop culture of voodoo go, expands from books, TV shows, music, movies. Now, with the movies and TV shows... Almost all of them have been skewed in the Hollywood way, which everyone knows what the Hollywood way, which means they made it evil. I can't think of a single movie or TV show where voodoo is used in a positive light. It's always used by the villain or Uh, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, I would say Scooby-Doo is probably the only one that I can think of that doesn't have some kind of evil to it. What about it, it does? But then there's the dude on the beach who is casting the voodoo spell for protection. Yeah. From the evil, evil spirits. Spirits. 
But also you have the evil guy, yeah, or not true. the evil, but you have the voodoo guy in Constantine that is in the back room, and he's neutral, which means he's neither good or bad. But um, some movies that come up from mind, I guess you guys just said Constantine, Scooby-Doo, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and that's another one where she's not really evil, but she's not an antagonist. I mean, she's still... I should probably see those movies. You should see a lot of movies. I haven't yeah. seen any of the Pirates um, of the Caribbean. <laughs> and then there's Princess and the Frog by Disney. I mean, the fact that Disney even cashed in on the voodoo craze. Now, Disney got in a lot they of pissed for off him. a lot of people with it because put a lot of racial stereotypes in the villain and everything with tied in with dark magic and voodoo and everything like that. So they got in a lot of tr- they got a lot of flack for it actually. Now I will admit I have not seen Princess and the Frog. I have nor do I wish to. I say it's you on should. my it's on my uh, Amazon if you oh, want. That's good for you. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Watching um, it tonight. It's a good movie. It's not along the lines of Disney's bests. Sorry, I'm gonna stick with Lion King and kinda going back to what we talked about David was talking about earlier with zombies Zombies were originally from voodoo. Yes. Um, it comes from the Haitian folklore about undead being reanimated by voodoo and this god or the spirit taking over the body and controlling it. Um, of course, then Hollywood got their hands on that and Hollywooded it up. And now we have zombies from diseases and radiation and all that other random stuff. But it's kind of cool to see that's where zombies came from and how they kind of took a life of their own. I heard a story. I see what you did there. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> just so funny. Uh-huh. Well, I, I, I just I didn't know how else to write that. So. <laughs> that was good. It's a good period. I, uh, I like puns. I heard a story um, about a plantation owner who was raising zombies. Basically, he could only use the zombies for so long when they started remembering their past lives, things like that, they'd start freaking out and turning on him and attacking him. So then he'd have to kill him again. And then he'd just make another zombie. And all of his plantation workers were zombies. Sounds like a movie. I think it was actually on another podcast. There's also the the other account that I, uh, of the gentleman that was pronounced dead and there was documentation of it. Of his passing, death time, fingerprints, everything like that. Then two years later, he walks back to the into the same village that he died in, and uh, they did the fingerprint tests and everything like that, and everything came out to be just him. He came back with stories of being in a plantation and being a zombie and being controlled. So, it's so the so the spell like wore off. Uh, the spell like wore off. Uh, there's all kinds of test on them and whatnot but it's if it's cool if it's cool if it's true it's cool if i mean but the stories are kind of cool as well i have to say that's the one thing in the cult i really don't want to believe in zombies zombies. now it depends what kind of zombies if they're like walking dead zombies okay that's cool i can survive now if we get like day of the dead resident evil zombies i'm just gonna blow my own brains out and just call it good then because those bitches can crawl on walls, upside down. They're faster than humans. They well, mutate. Yeah, no, no, thank you. A few years ago, 
the CDC released a uh, oh, how to survive a zombie fuck. apocalypse thing. Mm-hmm. Did you read it? Mm-hmm. It was really kind of interesting. But then I also read this article from a university about why zombies could not exist. Talking about decaying, the corpse decaying and all of that stuff. And how eventually... They would technically they, just fall apart. They would just fall apart. Yeah. Science always ruins all of our good fiction. But yeah. the funny part about that is, is that even if... You have created a zombie, and that zombie is allowed to venomously bite another that is living and turn them into a zombie. That zombie, whether they are still alive or not, well, they're dead, so they're a zombie, will roam the planet until everything that is living is turned into a zombie. So, I don't think zombies are made to last eternity. I don't think being a zombie makes you immortal. I just think that... No, obviously it doesn't. Your the body would decay. Exactly. Just said that. I know, but that's what I'm saying, though, is that like even if... God damn it, Eli. <laughs> I still think it's interesting that that even with pop culture, there are loopholes in, yeah. in, in all of it. So, Like I said, most of the zombie thing was taken just by um, Hollywood and made into all the zombies we have now, so... Who knows what it really was? Because we don't know the true form of the voodoo zombie. Uh, His name's <laughs> Daryl, guys. <laughs> he lives on a plantation, and then, and I mean, there's also voodoo in TV shows. Uh, Supernatural brings it up. Yeah, um, a bunch of the occult shows, um, the originals, um, which is based in uh, New Orleans and. Um, there's a lot of voodoo in there. Um, so I mean, it's kind of all over the place in movies and TV shows. Um, in books, there's whole books about it. And I will say, if you try to look up movies specifically for voodoo, it'll show you every movie with dark magic because they just loop it all in together. And voodoo is not technically dark magic. Yeah, people who there are people who practice dark voodoo. Yeah. Um. The Child's Play movie, that was voodoo in that. It was. Yes, it was. And Charles Lee Ray, when he was the Chucky doll, he went to the guy who taught him voodoo. And that guy denounced him. He was like, no, you use this for the wrong things. I am not going to help you. And that's how pretty much all magic practicing religions are. Yeah. You know, mo- as far as I know, every magic religion that I have looked into is do whatever in the hell you want to do. Just don't hurt anybody. Yeah. And so it's kind of that white magic or that light magic. But there are practitioners of each and every, like I said, with every religion, but there are practitioners of every magic religion that mm, they might go to the dark side. But in the end, you're messing with energy. So whatever you put out there is going to bite you in the bite ass. You in the ass. So you, you might as well just do nice stuff. And maybe nice stuff will happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> now, voodoo, when it comes to magic, not magic, when voodoo comes to music, now, voodoo actually shaped today's music. Ooh. And some people yeah. don't really realize that. But through the slave trade and bring us bringing slaves, a lot of voodoo rituals um, are done in song and dance and with drums and music. 
And so, the you know, the slaves, while being, you know, chained and everything, you always, you, you know about the songs and stuff they would sing. Yeah. A lot of those were actually, some or some of those were actually voodoo ritual songs that they adapted and changed to help motivate and keep everyone together and just get them through the tough times. And through time that evolved, and some of those beats were used in music as music evolved. A lot of blues holds a lot of still um, voodoo beats. Um, of course, and then blues branches off and grows into every other genre of music. Um, oh, yeah. I put a spell <clears throat> on you. With, I have that, too. Oh, so. I jumped now, ahead. Uh, yeah, I jumped ahead a little bit. <laughs> now, with voodoo um, and their rituals and everything, all the rituals, this body being possessed by the, a god or a spirit and controlling them and finish, go, going through the ritual. And um, the, right, the right of possession by the gods and spirits actually became what they would call a standard in American rock and roll. Okay. Where Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, so many, many more would be possessed by the soul of rock and roll is what they would claim. They would feel it. They could feel the spirit of the music, and that's what pushed them to write the songs they wrote and all that. And so that's come to, you can't tie it to the you know voodoo. And all, all what it was is before... Western society hadn't really tolerated the style of, you know, feeling possessed, getting into the music, feeling the music, and they kind of brought that to light and pushed it into the Western society where people started to enjoy it and really liked it. So the integration of the ritualistic music helped shape... Help shape modern day rock and roll. That's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't care who yeah. you are. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. For me, Eli, Dave, we're all musicians, or were musicians at some point. Um, so. I got left out of that. <laughs> I totally. That's uh, true. You were in band too. I totally played the baritone. You were a musician band. too. I was you're a magician too. Musician, okay. played, but yes, you're a musician too. I'm sorry. Amy's <laughs> so hurt. <laughs> we love you. It's okay. We love you. I was thinking of guitar and bass and stuff like that. I can play the keyboard Cause, cause, too. Because usually when you're when you're learning that kind of music, you you learn the blues first. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. yeah. everything branches from that, like you're saying. But but with did you learn the blues with your baritone? Or was it more classical music and stuff? <laughs> so so honestly though, if, if like have you ever, have you ever been to New Orleans? No, I never. Okay, have. but you know the the characteristic of like you know the like the first time they like shine in on the city in any kind of episode that is in they Louisiana. The jazz bands. They have the big jazz, jazz bands, band. right? Yeah. yeah, and they all have brass instruments. They all have the big old mm-hmm. tubas and mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. So it's like I mean that. So yes, Amy is a musician too. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. So for me, Eli, Dave, and Amy, all being musicians, <laughs> it's really cool to see how voodoo impacted our love and enjoyment into our music that we play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the first musician to bring a pop voodoo imagery to the stage was Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Um, he would rise from a, a coffin on stage with a bone through his nose. Um, now, Pretty badass. That's pretty badass. His, his hit song, I Put a Spell on You. 
And now you're mine. So that song was actually meant to be a ballad. His producer, who had been eating chicken, or no, was eating ribs actually through the time, was sitting there, they were discussing how they wanted to write this song, or wanted to perform the song. And Jay Hawkins wanted to do a ballad, kind of a slower, melodic sound. And the producer went, no. We're going to put, we're going to make it voodoo. We're going to scare people. So he grabbed the rib bone that he had and put it through the hole in Jay Hawkins' nose. And that became his persona. So that's when they put the voodoo into the stage performance and the coffin and the skulls and the, you know, the scary stuff into it. Now, other artists kind of evolved from that. Um, and took into their own aspect, including Alice Cooper, Marilyn Manson. And there's actually a lot of rock bands out there right now, metal bands, that have taken the shock and awe uh, performance Ghost. and put it into their show. Um, I'm a big fan of Alice Cooper. His singing isn't all that great, but his performances and his lyrics are all very dark and yeah. it has quite a few voodoo kind of songs. Um, so not only is it just a you know topic and performance style of music it helped influence music and i think that's just really cool being someone who's into music as much as i am um, i don't go through a day without listening to at least a couple songs um but i think it's really cool to see how it evolved into today's music uh so in pop culture i mean voodoo is all over the place sometimes it's little hints of it other times it's blatant you know from princess and the frog Excuse me. Blatant Princess and the Frog. Um, so I think it's really cool to see Voodoo. How it's evolved in... I wish Hollywood hadn't put it in a dark place to scare people away from Voodoo. Because a lot of people now who go to New Orleans want to look at the Voodoo stuff because of the dark and the mysterious and the evilness of Voodoo. And then they get led down because it's not like that. Yeah. Now, I... <clears throat> going yeah. to pop culture. This just popped in my head when you were talking about that. I see what you did there. Pop culture popped oh, into your ha, head. See, I didn't even do it on <laughs> purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either when I did the they came to life until I read it and I was like, oh. All right, I'm going to take us back. In the way, way back machine? Mm-hmm. We're going to hop back to the early 90s. <laughs> you two probably don't remember. Excuse me? <laughs> do you remember right 92? There, boom. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the sandbox. All right. WWE. Yeah. There was a wrestler. It was actually the WWF at the time. World Wrestling Foundation. I used to watch it every night. Me too. And there was one wrestler who would come out and he scared the shit out of me. It wasn't The Undertaker, was it? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. He fought The Undertaker from time to time. Mm-hmm. And it was always a good match when it was the two of them. But his name is... Papa Shango. Yeah, Papa yep. Shango. And yeah, he would come out and he would come out with the skull that was like... The skull face paint, the black yeah. top hat, mm. the bone the bone necklace. Yeah. There, there's there's another one that they recreated like in 2006. There's a newer one. Seven. Like, He's not there anymore because I actually... I actually try to see where he was because his whole act was the same thing. He'd come out and uh scared living shit out of people. He ate worms. Yeah. 
He was he's still around actually. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I randomly decided to sit through an episode of WWE Raw and he was there doing an interview and he always pulls out worms and is eating worms. Yeah. 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 For yeah. some reason when I was a kid, cuz I mean so like 92ish, I was 8. For some reason I was convinced that his speaking was going to put a spell on me. Cuz now you're his. Yeah, I, I guess. That's this is the the way he was speaking, yeah. So I would go and I would turn the volume down on the TV <laughs> while he was on the screen because I didn't want him to like put a spell on me. Yeah. And then when he he was done, I'd go and turn it up. <laughs> so you know what I just realized? Ben Kissel would be proud of us. We brought wrestling into a paranormal podcast. <laughs> I brought wrestling into yes, a paranormal podcast. And we podcast. finished it. What was it with the hand motion when you did that? <laughs> we... Finished it. <laughs> also, that wrestler's name is Boogeyman. Yeah. Boogeyman? Yeah. 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 Now, I used to actually watch a lot of WWF when I was a I kid. I did, too. I watched the WWF to WCW, and then when it switched to WWE, I went to a couple performances with it. The funniest thing I ever see is went to one with my dad, um, who was absolutely dreaded going and hated every minute of it, until Stacy Keebler comes out. Fuck yeah. And then he stands up and starts cheering. And I was laughing so hard, and she is, and well, she was, and still is, absolutely gorgeous. But I never seen. He's just sitting down, you know, hand on his chin, just. And then the music starts playing, and she starts walking down, and you can see him just get looking more at it. And then she gets on stage, and she does her whole bend over to get into the ring, and he stands up with everybody else and is cheering, and I'm like. it was was pretty funny well see I watched it not out of love for the sport but out of the fact that we didn't have cable and we had three channels and I was an insomniac child and after MASH was over it was WWF (laughs) (laughs) so I watched it I will say no you could probably watch it right now and know exactly what's happening because they just repeat the same things over and over just just new characters Yeah. yeah yeah I mean, I enjoy it. I just can't say that I've ever been like really into, followed yeah. it. I was so into much. it in middle school, but but back I, to voodoo. I, yeah, voodoo, voodoo, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's voodoo all through all forms of pop culture. Oh, no. yeah, vid- video games like yeah. uh, Diablo, Diablo Three. You can be a Fucking witch doctor. Love yeah. it. And it's a, it's a lot. You of actually have stuff. a necromancer on there now. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. also a necromancer. Yeah, Diablo Three is a good game. And then, and then all these characters, there's a crusader. I mean, all these characters are, are fighting demons, you know? Yeah. yeah. Let's see, what else is that? Well, yeah, I mean, well, no, Doom can't be countered in that. Uh, evil, Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And there's zombies, but I don't know if that would be. Well, I mean, voodoo. zombies. Betrayed now, would be a witch doctor be considered voodoo? Is that, that is. That is voodoo? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean. Depending. I mean, there are typically voodoo, they're tied together in pop yeah. culture. Yeah. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. On Red Dead Redemption 2, there's uh when you get by the swamps, there's uh voodoo practitioners and witch doctors and stuff. Yeah. Now, I'm going to take this back to Disney. Would, is it Rafiki, the monkey in Lion King? Yeah. Would he yeah. technically be kind of a voodoo priest? Of sorts, 
or like a he would be like a spiritual yeah, be like a witch doctor yeah, like, kind of thing. Like a, yeah, a I think man. that might have been what they were going for with that. Because I mean, we're talking Africa, so it would be like the original forms of it, but more of that spiritual Vodun. Yeah, which Vodun is still a very widely practiced religion in Africa. And with voodoo, kind of forgot to really mention. There's there's Vodun. There's hoodoo, which is actually a form of voodoo, and there's voodoo. Now, hoodoo is voodoo without the religion. Yeah. Hoodoo is just the practice of the the magic side of voodoo, right? And how they figured out that name, like, though, is they walked into a group of people and saw a dead chicken, and they looked at it and goes, hoodoo? <laughs> who do this? What it was, who do voodoo? And they're like, we don't do voodoo. And they're like, who do? So it's like agnostic voodoo? Yeah, we're not going. Is what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> agnostic voodoo. <laughs> Grognostic voodoo? Uh-huh. I thought <laughs> what she did there. So I mean, so voodoo has played a huge part in the whole world, but yes, and predominantly and in the southern United States and the still in Haiti and the the islands of the Caribbean. 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 Is it practiced in Jamaica? I was just I'm about sure to say it probably that. Is. Yeah. So, voodoo is a very important practice in history and in in our culture. Yeah, today voodoo is practiced by millions throughout the world. In Africa, the Caribbean, Central North and South America, and various forms, often with elements of Catholicism mixed in. Its main purpose remains as always to heal. To heal the individual in relationships with himself or herself, with others, and ultimately with God. I think that's a good place to close out, unless anybody has anything else they want to say about voodoo. It's a misunderstood religion. It is. Mm-hmm. And if you are a practice, if you practice voodoo and you've got a story you want to share with us, or if you need to correct us on something, or if you want to just add to it, We'd love to hear from you. You can always email us at unpnormalcy at gmail.com or hit us up on any of the uh, social medias at unpnormalcy. We have our Patreon page. We'd love to get some Patreon supporters. So if you want to head on over to patreon.com slash unpnormalcy, we'd greatly appreciate it. Once we get some more Patreons, we'll start getting out some uh, stickers and some uh, fun stuff for you. Now, one thing I would love for you guys to do is if you can go to wherever you get your podcast from, if you leave a comment or a rating, we would love that. We'd love to hear from you. Um, it also helps get our name on the list so people can find us easier. Um, and we would really just appreciate it. It means a lot to us to to hear from our listeners. Because, I mean, we do it for ourselves, but we do it for you too. And, yeah, just we'd love to hear from our listeners. And that'll do it for this this episode. Until next time. Keep digging. <laughs>